Imagine if every time you had your period, you had to hide it so that you wouldn't be assaulted or ridiculed. Or you had to stay at home because you didn't have menstrual products, missing school and falling behind. Or that you had to use unsanitary options that could lead to infection. And that's on top of all the other things that go along with periods for many women, like cramps, moodiness, and lack of energy. I'm speaking of something called period poverty, which affects millions of people around the world, including some in the United States. Yet, it is often a topic that is shrouded in secrecy and shame. Well, today you're going to hear from a social entrepreneur who's changing the situation for women in India and Africa. She's even coming up with new sustainable products that anyone who has a period may benefit from. This is a very special episode that you won't want to miss. I'm Dr. Mitzi Crockover, and welcome to Beyond the Paper Gown. And before we get started, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you don't miss any episodes. And please leave us a rating. It helps us get noticed. And one final note, my guest was located in Mumbai when we spoke, so you'll hear some of the sounds of the city during the interview. For me, it's a great reminder of the amazing opportunities we have to connect around the world, to learn about one another, and to solve problems together. I hope you'll agree. I couldn't be more delighted today than to welcome and be able to talk to our guest who is doing some very important work and I think will also open your eyes to some things that I know I wasn't aware of um, that is so impactful. So without further ado, let me uh, introduce you to Samia Dabriwal. Um, did I pronounce that right, Samia? Yes, that's Okay, good. perfect. She is CEO and founder of Project Bala, which we're going to talk about. Um, but uh, again, it's an uh, impactful organization that focuses on uh, menstruation, um, in specifically for women in India, and is doing incredible work. I met her, um, I met in, in quotes because we didn't get a chance to talk then, but I was introduced to her work through a competition called HitLab Women's Health Tech Competition. And she and her team um, and organization won the People's Choice Award, which is certainly well-deserved. Samia, welcome. And I'm just so delighted to be able to speak with you. From in, You're coming from India this morning, um, and I'm here in California. So to the beauty of technology. Thank you very much, Mitzi, for having me. And it's it's so incredible to, to be having this conversation, especially with the immense experience that you have in women's health. So hopefully I can share a little bit more about what's happening in India. Oh, thank you so much. Um, absolutely. So let's just start a little bit uh, to talk a little bit about what is Project Bala and what inspired you to create this organization? Wonderful. So I'll start with why actually did, did I start the organization and then tell you a little bit more about what we do. So as a college student, I was studying development economics. So I took a keen interest in volunteering. So I was volunteering across African countries and a lot of different parts of India. So I did a couple of volunteering projects in, in Ghana and South Africa and then in some villages of India. And these were across three different months in two different years. And I was working with younger girls and older women where I was teaching them math and English. 
And across all these three different countries, I found out that my girl students and women were skipping two to three days of class every single month. And when I probed, spoke to them and started asking questions, I realized that it was because of the lack of menstrual hygiene facilities. So it came as a big shock to me that across three different countries, two continents and two different generations, the same problem could exist. So clearly there wasn't an efficient solution that was seeping into the grassroots communities and hence something needed to be done. And that's when I started Project Bala. So Bala means a young girl in Hindi. And um, what we're trying to do as an organization is provide holistic solutions for menstrual hygiene problems across developing and underdeveloped communities in India, Africa and Nepal. So we're based out of India and we provide menstrual hygiene solutions for menstruating girls as well as women who are, who are older. You know, you talked about that they were missing um, school. This may sound obvious, but tell us a little bit, why were they missing school? Right. So there are three big reasons for why they were missing school. So the first one is accessibility. So the access to menstrual hygiene products is, is broken in the system to access any form of menstrual protection is broken at the grassroots level. So here, if we talk about the village that I was in in India, the closest shop that they could go to was a two and a half kilometer walk, walk away. And when the communities that I'm talking about here, mobility issues, financial issues are so big that these women are actually not allowed to leave their homes, to travel so far and walk and buy these period products if they could afford to buy these period products. And um, the men in the house were, there was so much shame and stigma associated that the men who actually go to these stores do not have a conversation with women about their healthcare needs or their needs to purchase these pads. So accessibility was a big, big problem. The second thing was affordability. So menstrual hygiene products are expensive. So even if you belong to a household where you can access these stores or you can have these conversations with members of your family who can access these stores, you're unable to buy them or create a budget for menstrual hygiene products. So that was a big problem that the products available in the market were actually unaffordable. And the third thing was actually awareness. So to give you some statistics, in India today, almost 68% of women and girls are still not using hygienic forms of menstrual protection. They're still using things like old rags, mm. leaves, sand as forms of period absorbance. And of course, the repercussions of these are mammoth. There's, there's 40,000 women who are losing their lives because of poor menstrual health and hygiene. 25% um, of girls are skipping school. So... There are these massive implications um, and awareness plays a key role because girls and women don't actually understand their needs. So accessibility, affordability and awareness were the three key reasons where girls couldn't actually buy, afford or even understand what they needed as menstrual products. And hence they had to miss school, had to miss classes and weren't around for two to three days every single month. And I just want to underline, you said that... that a certain amount or a certain percentage of these girls lose their lives because yeah. of lack of hygiene and lack of uh, hygienic uh, period products. Yes, wow. because of poor menstrual hygiene practices across the country, Mitzi. So there's 
examples where uh, we've seen in a village this was many years ago and this wasn't us directly but through research that we've seen where um, you know they're using old rags and there's a there's a metal button on one of the cloth which they're using as a menstrual absorbent which had rusted over time and when they used that as a menstrual absorbent that led to many infections and eventually led to the death of the person using those those rags so such such incidents also of course you know poor practices taking the wrong types of medication not being able to get the right type of treatment or access to information at the right time when they're facing different types of problems um you know all of those things combined the statistics are 40000 lives every single year in india that um is is a stunning uh story and 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 numbers so enter project bala you you know pitched such as an entrepreneur really um at the hit lab uh challenge mm-hmm. because like any entrepreneur you saw a pain point and you developed a solution you've now described this pain point which is so significant what is your specific solution so what we designed or developed as a solution for project bala was a 360 degree approach to the problem so while spending so much time in the communities that we wanted to bring change into or you know that we wanted to impact what i realized was just providing a product will not be the solution just providing information will not be the solution and just a one time intervention will not be a solution we need to build something which encompasses all of these things and is long term and sustainable so that gave us the three arms of what we do today so the first thing that we do is bring awareness and education into communities so there's this whole layer of myths and taboos and stigma that is associated with period and menstruation um in the country so the first goal is to debunk all of those myths and taboos the second thing that we're doing is of course bring in awareness and information around understanding menstruation understanding menstrual hygiene and understanding menstrual health and the third thing that we're trying to do is bridge the gaps between treatment understanding when you need treatment and understanding what is going wrong with your body so we've got seven different topics in our curriculum in our education curriculum which we deliver to different communities across india uh, only last week we reached our half a million impact number so we're wow. very excited to say that we reached thank you that we reached out to 500000 women and girls across india and nepal and, and a few pockets of africa and um, this awareness curriculum actually then generates a lot of interest for menstrual hygiene products which we cater to through our second arm which is the sustainable reusable sanitary napkin which we've developed and we provide to the communities so these are technically designed reusable sanitary napkins and can be used for 2 years so they mitigate all of those challenges that are mentioned before of affordability accessibility and of course awareness we're taking care of through the first part of our of our solution and now that we went into the communities and we created the awareness and we had a lot of people talking about their problems voicing the kind of restrictions that have been imposed on them by virtue of the myths and taboos that existed and how slowly they're getting out of those cycles of misinformation and and using the reusable pad and actually you know becoming first generation users of menstrual hygiene products so we realized there's a huge demand that is being generated and also that gave us an opportunity 
to create a sustainable model the third thing we do is we train and employ village level women entrepreneurs who basically become a spokesperson as well as sales pe- uh, sales person at the grassroots level so these women sell the bala pads in the communities earn a commission on that and also become the consulting points for the women in the village so if they have any issues that they need you know or help with regarding their menstrual health or hygiene or reproductive health they can come to this person and they connect it to us and we then connect them to any resources that they may require so these are the three main things that we do as an organization wow you know that it seems so powerful um the way that you have developed this real uh network and ecosystem if you will um i have a couple of questions that i want to go back to regarding that first of all let's just talk about the pads um how are they reusable and what's the technology behind them so um you know reusable pads have always existed what we tried to do was make them more technical so that we basically make it safer and more hygienic to use so the current reusable pads that we provide across the country is they come they comprise of four different layers of textile and each layer performs a different function so the topmost layer is a semi porous layer which allows fluids to flow through it absorbs nicely and then the fluid passes through that layer and goes to the middle two layers which are an absorbent core this is where the fluid gets held and this is this is the uh, region which contains the menstrual fluid and then the bottommost layer is a leak proof layer that prevents any form of staining leakage etc so the utility is exactly that of a disposable sanitary napkin but this is reusable which means that you can use it for 8 to 10 hours you can take it off and you can actually wash rinse and reuse it after you've dried it out in the sunlight we've also created a an antibacterial treatment on top of these sanitary napkins to ensure that if there is no sunlight exposure it is still safe and hygienic to use so that's how the reusable pad works and where do you manufacture them so they're manufactured in india in in delhi and cr okay so you're keeping that also within the uh, the economy and the country you know i was thinking that in the last few years because of other organizations there's been an increased awareness even in America about period poverty and the gap and you talk about girls missing school there are girls in America who do not graduate high school because they can't afford um period products and therefore really truly drop out and so um you know it's i i think people will be amazed to hear that that's happening in the United States certainly not to the scale that you're talking about um but also but but it but it does happen and you know there's even legislation uh and uh, municipalities starting to wake up to the fact that they need to reduce the t- we have a luxury tax on period products and we also have um you know you go into a bathroom and you can't get those products um and, or you have need a quarter who has a quarter these days right um so in any case uh but you know going back to the issues it when you were talking about again i i have these this vision of these girls not being able to you know um go to school uh because of the it, it, relative inconvenience and 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 difficulty with period products but 
I also understand that there's also danger, if you will, that women and girls can get assaulted, you know, or they're afraid to go to the bathroom because they may they might get assaulted. Is that in your experience as well? So that's a that's a very interesting question and also not asked very frequently or addressed very frequently, Mitzi. So I'm glad you've actually thought about this where um, what we witnessed was that a lot of girls in uh, the communities that we were working with who'd started using disposable pads or had access to them through government schemes or other donation drives that were conducted were very ashamed to throw these pads or dispose them off in the garbage bins near their homes or around their homes. So they were not happy or willing to or do not actually throw these pads in their home dustbins or their community dustbins. What they do is after sunset or when it's getting dark, they try and walk to in groups of two to three to an isolated area or an open field where they can either bury or burn these sanitary napkins. And here we witnessed and heard of a lot of assault cases of bullying, of harassment and assault. And um, and that's, that was also very shocking for us. Um, and again, having a reusable product really helps us mitigate this as well, where we've completely eliminated the disposal part. So, I mean, we try to convert this into an understandable measure, but every single person who menstruates generates two trucks of non-biodegradable menstrual waste in their lifetime. So in addition to, of course, these, the assault and the, and the entire trauma of disposing of pads, the waste that we generate is also something that we need to be very conscious about and need to start thinking and addressing that, which we've not done as a country and as a community. So, or as a globe, let's just put it there. (laughs) (laughs) And then going back to your description of having these kind of female elders, if you will, that are also entrepreneurs and also really uh, connecting. Have you had any challenges or pushback from communities at all uh, with anything that you've done? Yes. So, um, so these uh, village-level women entrepreneurs, we call them Bala Associates. This has been the hardest thing that we've tried to do as an organization because we're trying to get women to sell menstrual hygiene products. So the first step is, it's such a tabooed topic. So convincing the women to become sellers is the first big challenge where we have to inject that confidence and training in them to go and talk to the public and talk to people that they don't know about a topic such as periods because culturally there's a lot of stigma and a lot of taboos associated with with periods and the conversation around periods. So that's challenge number one. Challenge number two is when these women actually do become associates and do go door to door, they are not met with any response from the women that they speak with. So they're, they're so shy and there's so much silence around the topic that Women just do not want to speak up. So then they have to actually put together groups and workshops where they spend the first 20 minutes talking about other things and, you know, addressing community Mm -hmm. problems and then addressing the entire women's gathering 
and talking to them about periods. So this is how we've gradually trained and learned and trained and learned these women. The other big challenge is that the government yet does not recognize reusable menstrual hygiene products as a solution. Uh, we've only been thinking about disposable products. So, you know, randomly there are donation drives or there's charity being done where lots of disposable pads are just provided for a month or two months. So suddenly a lot of months of hard work, completely, you know, we take like 50 steps back because suddenly there are these free pads that come into the villages because one week or one month, a politician or a government scheme decided that they wanted to give free pads for a few months. So, you know, of course, that's not sustainable because that's a one-time use solution. Um, so that's another challenge which we're trying to fight with and mitigate with these women entrepreneurs. You talked about that you've reached 500,000 girls and women. Can you give us a hint about what have been your general successes? And I'd love to hear any specific anecdotes that you might want to share with us about uh, what you've been able to do. So when I was mentioning that when we're making the Bala sources or these village level women entrepreneurs and training them to become sellers, it's, it's a very challenging, you know, first month of training, convincing, trying to break the stigma around the conversation and actually handholding these women to go and talk to others. So we have this one lady in Rajasthan, which is the desert state of India. And, uh, We'd seen a lot of positive response on the uptake and use of the pad in her community. And we thought that she can be a great community leader because of her communication skills. And we trained her. There was a lot of hesitation and her family wasn't very supportive in the beginning. But if you skip to 12 months later, she, through the sales of pads and through the advocacy that she's done in the community, has bought her first vehicle ever. So she's bought a scooty that now she roams around <laughs> in with a helmet on and her and her bala pads and her backpack and is just going village to village, village to village, talking to hundreds and thousands of women and just and just completely breaking the glass ceiling and completely breaking the kind of stigma that was associated with the conversation. And she's inspired so many younger girls to actually come to her and, you know, talk to her about uh, about becoming entrepreneurs and becoming, you know, advocates for important community level topics and conversations. So I think that's one of my favorite things that we've been able to achieve through our project. That is a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Do you feel like you're impactful because you tailor your message and because you know the culture and what, if any, is translatable to other cultures? That's a very interesting question. Um, so I think culture plays a huge role where I think the reason why our curriculums or our education modules have been so successful in the communities is because they were tailor-made with popular cultural references, with news which is applicable to the community, with examples which came from around them. So the core part of the content can actually just be um, used in any other culture with references from that culture. And to articulate it better, and uh, through an example, I mean, we've done these curriculums in Nepal as well as Africa. So the content remains the same, but the tools that we use to deliver that content or the examples that we use to explain that 
then is based on those cultures on those countries on the beliefs that are prevalent in those areas can you give me a specific example yes so um in india the way we start our workshops for young girls is by citing the example of one of our favorite sports women in in india and we talk about her for 10 15 minutes and we talk about do you think she misses any of her practices when she's on her period etc and that's how we warm up the girls through the conversation of mm. talking about periods etc and it's a very fun conversation where in the beginning we ask everyone to stand up raise their hands talk to us about what they think the sports person would do and how they think it would be useful for um us to you know just break the ice with with these girls so it's a lot of fun the first 20 minutes the first 15 20 minutes of the conversation in africa of course what we try to do is they, there's a lot of dancing in the communities that we're working with so we give that example we would use those examples of girls who were dancing in in the community for some some of the festivals and how they do it and do they wish that they could dance even when they were on their period versus you know things like that so we would try to use what they were doing in the community what they were fond of and then contextualizing the conversation accordingly um even in terms of use of products when we saw entering some villages in india that a lot of women are also throwing their loose sanitary napkins in any water bodies which were you know accessible to them not too far away from their homes but far enough so that no one sees them or like associates their pads with them they were throwing their pads in those water bodies so we would use that as an example that do you think that that is like does anyone like crossing that water body or what do you think about those things so just using these examples according to what we saw in those villages what we see in their areas and trying to bring those nudges in the conversation that we with that we have with them through the through the workshops in the curriculum thank you and you are selling these pads and but i assume that that's not your only source of funding So uh we've got two funding sources essentially so 90% of our work that we do right now is B2B where we'll pitch a particular project to a government a corporate or an institution where we think that our intervention can really bring us like a positive impact and the community really needs it so then those corporates governments or institutions have an, a service agreement with us where we decide okay we go to reach out to 30000 women and girls we going to do the awareness curriculum we going to provide reusable pads to all of them and we going to set up x number of women entrepreneurs for this entire community so that becomes one type of funding partnership that we look at and that that organization then supports the entire project financially so they pay for all of these three things the second thing that we do is funding is the the entrepreneurs so they sell earn an income keep 20% of that and bring the rest back to the organization so these are the two mediums of of funding that we have as a, as a as a company and if someone wanted to become involved with the organization how might they be able to do that so there's multiple ways we're constantly looking for knowledge partnerships and especially in such a platform it's see where you know there's there's individuals who listen in who've got interest in women's health space we're very keen to innovate think on any sort of knowledge partnerships that we can build because we have access to so many communities and hundreds of thousands of women so 
any sort of information curriculums that we can build any sort of innovative ideas for say the second thing is if anyone uh, wants to volunteer with us um you know in terms of being on the field with us that's very possible we've got multiple projects running across india and um we are very happy to take as many volunteers as we can to these project locations we've also got office support that we require in terms of marketing materials we don't spend enough time on social media presence building as we do on ground presence building and i think social media will help us bring more partnerships in so as someone who has an expertise there we're happy to partner with with them as well and any other women's yeah innovation that you want to try out a pilot with we can also do that and it sounds like you have some line of sight to some long term plans can you share those with us yes so um what we realized was that the reusable sanitary napkins that we provide right now we collect data as i mentioned and we saw great uptake but in a lot of areas uh, there was we were averaging 93% and then over time we saw that there were many areas where it was much lower so roughly between 75 to 77% and we were very curious as to why the average is suddenly dropping and what's different in these areas and what we realized was that these were areas of high rainfall uh, or drought prone areas or areas where the houses that women and girls live in and these can also be slums there's not enough place to dry reusable sanitary napkins out at so here the usage and the uptake of the pads was much lower because there was drying washing and just the space problems that they were facing so we started thinking of solutions for these and we've come up with these very interesting hydrophobic pads which can actually be used for 5 years we're partnering with these incredible scientists based out of sweden who come up with the technology and we're helping them actually contextualize that to the community that we work in we're running a lot of tests right now to see where these pads actually only require 50 ml of water to be washed and reused and they actually don't require any form of sun drying you can just wipe these pads with a piece of cloth and they'll be good to be reused within actually 2 to 3 minutes um again I mean, instead of that 4 to 5 hour cycle which we require to dry pads out in and we do think this can be a complete game changer not just for rural india but globally as as a menstrual hygiene product offering because it's a eco friendly sustainable very easy to use and a completely never heard of solution that we're building and hoping to bring in in the next 9 months wow that is powerful um well we'll have to check in with you and to see how you're doing with that so that's terrific Well, before I let you go, I want to make sure that we covered the topics that you felt were important. So, anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to share with our audience? I think just a little bit about our team. I'd love to tell you a little bit more about. Um, Please, yes, absolutely. Who? Awesome. So, I think that's very important for me because it, these are young people. So, our team, everybody is under the age of twenty-seven currently. and these are young people who've gotten their mbas from ivy league universities such as cornell and very prestigious universities of india and they could have chosen any other career path as well and they had many options available but all of us have decided to really dedicate our time work and 
all of our energy into building these solutions. So I feel extremely happy and proud that I've got a co-founder like Aradhana and incredible core team members who are consistently thinking of new ways, ideas, and models of scaling impact in rural parts of India, which is actually not not the easiest thing to do many times where sure. we've had to cross we've had to cross <laughs> villages on buffaloes because there were no roads we oh my goodness undergo, <laughs> cross water bodies on on buffaloes because there's, there's no roads there, there can be no vehicular access we've had like places where we've been chased by men in the villages with sticks in their hands saying we don't want you to westernize our women you come you've come with these city concepts of you know, menstrual hygiene or city concept of women's health. We don't want you to be polluting our cultural beliefs and we don't want you to be polluting our girls and women. You know, it's it's not easy. So I'm very happy and excited that we've got such a nice young team who's so motivated to do this. So that's the last thing I wanted to share with you. Wow, that is, those visuals are impactful. And if there are any um, folks uh, thinking about how bad their commute is in the morning <laughs> to go to work. <laughs> I'm going to refer them to this episode because uh, that uh, that is incredible dedication and uh, you're doing such impactful work. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your story with us. Really appreciate it. Somia Dabrawal, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks a lot, Mitzi. Thank you for having me. It was It was so... So wonderful talking to you and sharing more with you. Thank you. Can you imagine crossing a river on a buffalo to get to your clients? Now that's real dedication and such a great example of an innovator and passionate advocate. You know, I have the honor of speaking with so many leaders in the area of women's health, and I want to invite you to subscribe to our newsletter at beyondthepapergown.com so you can be sure to hear about our latest episodes with these entrepreneurs, policymakers, clinicians, and scientists that are all working to make women healthier and empowered to live their best lives. Our hope is that you'll learn something that can make your life healthier or be inspired to take action to help others do the same. Thanks as always for listening. We'd love to hear from you. So follow us on Instagram and Facebook and leave us a comment there or on our website. Until next time, take good care. Our podcast is produced by Patrick Shambayati and me, and our associate producer is Kyla McMillian.